Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to episode 150 of the Film Slate Podcast. I'm James. And I'm Caleb, and this is the show where we catch you up on everything that we're excited about in the world of film. And I'm Zach, and today we'll be talking about all the latest movie news and talking about the very new Netflix movie, original, called Mank. So let's get to it. You know the theme, you know what time it is, it's time for the film Slate. I don't know, it's been a while. It's been a little bit, but I mean, we're happy to be back. James has been filling people in with that Mando Monday, though. So. That's true. I- I'm so glad for that show, because that's filling in some gaps, since there's like nothing else to hardly talk about. That's true. <laughs> yeah, if you've enjoyed the Mando Monday podcast, uh, let us know. Yeah, give us a shout. Yeah, so like James said, this is episode 150, and we're excited to be here. How you guys been? You guys getting ready for Christmas? Anything exciting going on? Yeah, man, it's uh, super busy. I mean, it's been a good time, but uh, things are crazy. <laughs> so um, this is a nice little break, and I, I enjoy doing the podcast, obviously. But uh, yeah, things have been pretty nuts. It's it's kind of weird not not having like a bunch of blockbusters in the theaters right now because of, you know, everything with COVID and, and whatnot. But, um, uh, allegedly wonder woman's going to be out and, uh, a couple other things. Um, so I, I'm hoping to try and catch something in the theater, but, uh, haven't been watching too much of other things. I, I did watch nightmare before Christmas for the very first time. Oh, interesting. Aaron and I caught that it's yeah. on Disney plus and, People are always like, it's a Halloween movie. No, it's a Christmas movie. And I'm like, well, what is it? I need to know for myself. It's a diehard movie. I think I think it's I think it's neither. I think it's just a weird movie is what it is. Yeah. I enjoyed it, though. It was good. Um, but anyway, how are you guys? What have you, you been up to? What have you been watching? Um, yeah. Did we, did we check the input? Are we recording through the mics? Yeah. Okay, cool. See? I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Listen, it's I'm, another listen, podcast. That's what you've been doing this on your own. So who's you, been doing this? Way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been good. Um, I'm watching a lot of Christmas movies, obviously this time of year. Um, but I recently signed up for Hulu again, which I haven't had for probably over a year at this point. But I just went ahead and upgraded the, my Disney Plus plan to the Hulu ESPN Plus package. Um, Kind of just, I just wanted some more content and it seemed, you know, the price is like really good for like twelve ninety nine for all three of those services. Um, anyway, uh, Alicia and I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. We really just wanted a show that was like all the seasons were there and it's just a show you can put on and, and watch and uh, we've been really enjoying it and... Yeah, it's it's always like hard jumping into a new show, especially one with like seven or eight seasons, and you're like, "Am I really gonna watch all this?" But like <laughs> after the first couple episodes, we're like, "Yeah, it's definitely in that like office um, kind of Parks and Rec vein," and I really I really enjoy that. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. kind of what I've been watching. Um, yeah, James, what about you? Um, I also have Hulu, but I got the the Hulu Live, which has a little bit. It has a lot nicer like content and you can watch like literally like live TV. So it mm-hmm. pretty much essentially just replaces your cable, but it's a lot cheaper than cable. Right. Um, but I have um, Turner classic movies on there, which is honestly the, the, the show that gets the most uh, watches, but you can like record 
on Hulu Live TV, you can actually record episodes and then go back and watch it. You know, so when you work crazy hours like me, I sometimes I have to watch movies at weird hours, whether it's early in the morning or late at night. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I've been, they had like a stretch, they'll have like a certain director or an actor and they'll be playing their movies for like a week straight. So I've been watching a lot of Alfred Hitchcock. That's awesome. Oh gosh. His movies are so freaking good. Like even, even for that time period, you're like mm-hmm. watching, you're like, I did not see that coming. Like yeah. that was good. And I'm like sitting there like taking notes. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how much of that stuff still st- still holds up you yeah. know still stands you know yeah. and then i watched a i i bought it on one of the criterion collection sales at barnes and noble a while ago and i just never got around to it. i know i buy like stacks of it and then i'm like i get around to watching them and it's a french uh new wave film a, a noir type film called a uh, le samurai basically the samurai but in french and it's not mm. it's not a samurai film it's just I about like salami <laughs> i thought it was about salami <laughs> But it's just about like this hitman. He's got like the, you know, the stereotypical like you know, the the trench coat with the pop collar and the hat. And so he does a hit job, and he gets seen. And so it's like the police are scrambling, finding everybody's wearing the same thing as him. And he, you know, they didn't think he get uh, he did it, so they let him go. But then he goes to try to cover his tracks because the cops don't trust him. And it's just like a cat and mouse chase of him trying to throw him off, and the cops thinking whether he did it or whether he didn't do it. And it's. It's really good, and honestly, like, watching it, and I'm like, I know what movie totally, not copied, but, like, took a huge inspiration from it, but the movie Drive. Mm, like, yeah. totally. There's not much action, but when there is action, it's like, ah, oh, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's very slow build, a lot of beautiful, like, wide shots, very intense, where there's, like, moments where there's no music, it relies on sound. He doesn't talk much. It's all in like his facial reactions or like the certain just one words he says. And that's very much how Drive is. So I, I watched this film and I'm like, all right, Drive took a lot of inspiration from this. And which is really cool to kind of see how that happened. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Sweet. Cool. Well, uh, we're going to talk about Mank today, but we also have some news to get to. Just a little bit of news. Um, no, just just a little. <laughs> but we But we don't have any sound bites for that. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, guys. We're a little rusty. This well, is actually Zach's last podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> they let me go, so I said, screw you guys. <laughs> They're trying to smoke not put up any, any side clips. All right, let's get into some news. So, James, what's up first? All right, next up, HBO Max is having some controversy with some directors. Oh, my gosh. Boy, are they. So, this Ooh. started out with um, HBO's this or, uh, Warner's decision to put their entire 2021 movie slate uh day and date uh with hbo max so what that means is the days that these movies release in theaters they're also going to be releasing on hbo max i mean so that's enough to talk about by itself there but the controversy doesn't stop there christopher nolan came out and wrote this scathing Mm -hmm. thing uh other directors have joined in since then um denis villeneuve who directed the dune um pretty much just the worst part about all of this controversy is that um, apparently Warner didn't tell the the creatives that they were doing this. Mm. So um, that's such a classic studio thing to do, though. <laughs> but like, what kind of idiots? Like, at least don't have a conversation with your creators about this. Like, um, the interesting thing is that Wonder Woman, which is a WB property, is getting a day and date release, so it's going to be at theaters and on HBO Max. However, Patty Jenkins and uh, Gal Gadot, they had it built into their contracts that they would each get a certain percentage of the box office revenue. Now, since 
the box office revenue is going to be way lower. They got bonuses for essentially if the movie performed, I think at like a billion dollars or something. So Patty Jenkins and that was like the deal they struck. It's like, okay, cool. So they honor those contracts and they're going to pay out. They didn't have any of those conversations with anybody else with uh, Hmm. Dune or any of the movies that, that were delayed until next year. So, which is crazy because the rumor has it they are not really they're very secretive and quiet on reporting the box office record or uh, recordings for Wonder Woman overseas board has already released but apparently it is abysmal <laughs> yeah it's tough I mean while the movie is getting really good reviews yeah. um, I think people just still aren't going to the theaters so on one hand it's like yeah it makes sense to like give people the option that's yeah. the consumers it makes a lot of sense yeah but like to not even talk about it with your your directors and these teams that are making yeah. what do you guys think about all that? It's dirty. <laughs> I mean, to me it sounds like it's exactly what WB continues to do. Like it seems like they just make these decisions. They never talk to anyone who's on the creative side of, side of things and they just decide <coughs> Justice League. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm thinking. It was like now we're going to finally see like what people wanted to see or at least Zack Snyder's vision for Justice League and that'll be really interesting to see that's one of the one things that I would say you know HBO Max has has got going for it but like on the other the flip side of it like it seems like they haven't learned anything from all of these mistakes that they've made in the past and they're just continuing to piss people off who are actually making them the money you know so it seems like it's a complicated web because um if it, from what I understand, if it were not for AT and T owning WB, uh, the Snyder Cut would never get released. It was actually the AT and T execs who are like above everybody who were forcing WB to do this, and they're like, "Okay, well, guess we have to do this." That's really. It sounds like a lot of these decisions were made by AT and T, who isn't aren't a. They're a telecom company. They're not like a studio, mm-hmm. so these decisions are being forced down on high. From people who probably don't know well, it's AT&T. they're thinking of streaming <laughs> right and their goal is to bolster their streaming service not necessarily the theatrical experience so i'm not saying wb is free of blame here but like it's it's a big old mess <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's a definitely a whole nother layer that i hadn't even realized but i mean that doesn't yeah it doesn't excuse what's happening i guess is is the biggest thing and honestly the fact that these directors, like these big name directors had no idea. That's shocking in itself. I think that speaks louder than anything else in the story. Um, and, and reading that letter that Nolan wrote is <laughs> insane. Like he, Oh, he ripped them a new one. And he seems like not the type of guy who would be super outspoken about a lot of things. Like, it seems like he lets, he kind of takes like things in stride. Player, yeah. yeah like he, they, he takes things in stride. And so like, the amount of negativity in that letter, I was like, this dude is pissed. The opening line is so good. He yeah. says, these creatives woke up or went to bed one night thinking they were they worked for the best studio in Hollywood. They wake up to find out that they work for the worst streaming service. It's oh, like, oof. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. <laughs> but, but see, because of that, they're so miffed. Disney Plus, on the other hand, is going to be like, hey, guys, what? Want a Star Wars movie? <laughs> I think everybody. Thus Patty Jenkins, Rogue Squad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think everybody, Universal. Like, I think WB probably really hurt themselves for a while. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of big name directors who are going to want to sign on to WB projects. Yeah. Hmm. And, of course, everyone else is like, we'll take you. 
but I know Denis yeah. Villeneuve was really upset just because like they he was said like in his letter they made their movie as a theatrical experience and like they don't want people to see it for the first time on their TVs yeah. like this thing is made for the movie theater which I think is yeah makes me even more excited obviously but like mm-hmm. I don't know I mean like this is this is what they should do okay you have a line of the theater and then you have some nurses there with a box of vaccines. <laughs> Shoot me up into my veins and let me go see my movies. <laughs> well, what something, I mean, not that I agree with Joe Rogan on everything, but something he keeps on saying on his podcast, he always talks about, like, if you want to do, like, live events and live shows and stuff again, you should have, like, rapid tests at the door. Like, just go through and pay the money to, like, have rapid tests. If you're good, like, you can go in. You don't have to wear a mask at that point. And everybody can live their lives again. I'm like... I don't know the logistics of all that, but that sounds amazing. You yeah. know, like that sounds way better than what we've been well, doing. We've which are, is just kind of cowering. You well, know? we've already been told that we're going to be next in line to get our uh, vaccines. Yeah. Because we're essential workers. And like, that's a lot of Americans. <laughs> Definitely. Not the podcast. Just people listening. Yeah. Yeah. Just, the... yeah just us. <laughs> <laughs> the film slate specifically. Yeah. <laughs> we got so, the call today. Anyway. Yeah. So that'll probably be Zach and I. We'll be good. Yep. So Zach can come in feeling all Rona, and we, or Caleb can come in all feeling all Rona and be like, you're good. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> the podcast goes on. <laughs> all right. So next up, we have uh, Disney Plus and all their Marvel announcements. Yeah. A lot of things. <laughs> yep. A lot of things announced. Uh, some, uh, I guess some things that sort of stood out to me. Um, I should probably get that up. Yeah. Some things I was not expecting. Um I would just search like Disney investment or investors something investors day 2020. Yeah. I was pretty excited to hear about the new Pixar film they're doing about like the origin of Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. I think that's like a really cool idea. Yeah. There it is right there. Yeah. <laughs> we got Chris Evans doing the voice. Yeah. But it's like based on like whatever the toys are based on. So I think that's yeah. kind of meta and pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, they announced a whole slew of stuff, uh, projects for Star Wars, um, a whole slew of projects for um, their upcoming live action Disney series or movies. Pinocchio. And then also all their upcoming Marvel projects. Um, all in all, it was basically what they laid out the what looked like the content for the next five years or so. So oh, They're doing a lot of that Premier Access title bullcrap. <laughs> well, yeah. Because uh, that movie was supposed to come out well, yeah, later this year anyway. But see, but they're doing it at the same time as in theater. So as long as theaters don't shut down, I'd rather just go to the theater. Of course. Um, is there anything that stood out? To, obviously, we can get into it. Uh, we don't necessarily have to touch on everything. But uh, is, are there any projects that you guys saw that um, you're looking forward to? James, what do you think? Uh, Loki. Yeah. I have no clue what it's about, but it looks weird and quirky, and I'm there for it. I'm all for something different. Um, same with, um, um, there it is, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what it's about. It looks weird, but I'm ready for it. And that actually comes out next month. Yeah. January 15th, yeah. 16th, something like that, yeah. So I'm not going to create a separate Marvel TV, <laughs> TV show. Like, uh, another uh, offshoot. An offshoot for every single Marvel film. No. <laughs> uh, that's just too much. But uh, yeah, so they have Eternals, uh, the Multiverse of Madness, Blade, Hawkeye, uh, Shang Chi, Thor, Love and Thunder, of course, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. We did get a glimpse of that. What'd you guys think of that trailer? Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty cool. I like their relationship as characters, so it'll be cool to see that grow a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, that comes out relatively soon too. Yeah. I think in March. Like March yeah. yeah. But uh, some of the dialogue felt kind of like. Eh. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it's just trailers. Yeah. 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 So then uh, uh, we get this is interesting. Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. But <laughs> by. by Kind of like the Dave Gunn Star Wars it's the, yeah, <laughs> holiday the Star special Wars. riff. Yeah, I'm like that. That's that's pretty cool. That could be that plays in well to the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then I am Groot. So that's weird. I'm like I have no clue what that's about. Yeah, but there's a lot of things like Secret Invasion is a huge comic book series. Yeah, that could be insane. Yeah, and then obviously Fantastic Four is coming. That's very very early at this point, but um, yeah. Surprised we didn't get X Men like a reboot. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to be there. Like this is just all within this coming year. <laughs> I think I think they're lit, they're thinking long term they're going to yeah. let that rest for a bit before yeah. they try they, to They don't want to oversaturate. Re-enter things. on that. I the thing I'm actually most excited about, um first of all Blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I freaking love the Blade movies. Mm-hmm. I know they're super corny and like some of the <laughs> worst superhero movies, but I loved those Blade movies. But done, but done now, they could be amazing. Right, exactly. Like I think about what they could be, mm-hmm. and honestly, I even love what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, if they take aspects of that, which I know that they can do, mm-hmm. like I think about Thor Ragnarok, and like that reminds me a lot of like some of the, uh, you know, fun of what Blade was. Um, that, that one really excites me. I, I'm also excited about Thor, love and thunder. Obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, I Natalie think, Portman, I mean, come on. Oh, man, they just, they really hit the nail on the head with Ragnarok. I, it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite from the, the, uh, you know, Marvel cinematic universe. And then actually, you know, that Buzz Lightyear movie looks awesome or a uh, show looks awesome. Um, not sure exactly what it'll turn into, but it, it seems like what you were saying, Caleb, I mean, it looks really meta and, I mean, hard to go wrong with Chris Evans. Yeah, so. who's playing Blade? No, no, I don't. Mahershala Ali. Yes! It's like really good. Yo. Yes, that is a great <laughs> casting. That is super good. And dude, that guy is yoked. <laughs> he, oh my goodness. Well, it, it's like what my uh, friend Derek and I said in the Star Wars podcast, that uh, honestly, like when it comes to Marvel Comics and Star Wars, we think it's kind of like, because of how vast the world is, it's better suited for TV because you can dive deeper and have all these offshoots and then you save your big cinematic like trilogy whatever for the cinema and then you have all these little offshoot character stories separately that way you know it just expands the the world so yeah it's definitely a cool way to flesh out the world yeah um and then obviously we got a bunch of Star Wars announcements through the the Disney event yeah. so um I want to see your guys opinion because I know we talked about like what, what sticks out for you guys on that you gotta remind me. Uh, I I know like um, can you scroll up on that page and I'm gonna see if they were actually on there. Okay. Near the top. Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Oh no! We yeah, got a yeah, situation yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe just. Uh... I'm gonna pause the record here. And we're back. We had a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> a little little situation where I almost got coffee all over my uh, MacBook. <laughs> but. No worries. No worries. It's it's doing okay now. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Woo. Well, that was fun. Anyway, what were we talking about? Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, what you guys are looking forward to the most. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah. um, and it was cool to get some news that Hayden Christensen will be back as uh, Vader. I'm not sure if he's going to... I'm. It's kind of an interesting question, like what 
role he's going to play as Vader or if this is like a flashback thing. I don't know. Yeah. But like uh, pretty cool because um, and I, I saw like some brief interview with uh, Ewan McGregor and he was like, you know, some of the, the best parts of being Obi-Wan was getting to act across from Hayden Christensen. So I think they have a cool relationship and it's cool that they get a chance to, to jump back into that. But uh, that's kind of one we knew was coming as far as one I didn't, we didn't know was coming. Um, I think the rogue squadron movie directed by Patty Jenkins seems like a pretty, a pretty cool thing. Kind of like top yeah. gun in space from mm-hmm. what I understand, which is pretty cool. So I don't know. What'd you guys think? I mean, if it's anything like the Mandalorian, I'm yeah. in. If they keep on going down that kind of route, I mean, so far they have given me no reason to doubt them as far as the the TV shows. So sure, yeah. And I think they're going to have a couple shows in that era. Obviously, Bobby, Bobby one. Why did I say <laughs> Bobby one? Fenobi. <laughs> uh, the Boba Fett, the Book of Boba Fett, um, Rangers of the New Republic, and Ahsoka are all going to take place in that time. So yeah. Um, Potential for some Avengers like crossover mm-hmm. w- within that time period with uh, the Mandalorian. And so yeah. it's uh, interesting that they uh, didn't announce yet Takawatiti's uh, trilogy that he's working on. I think they're going to save that for Star Wars Celebration, but uh, the rumor has it they're gonna, it's going to take place during the High Republic. I don't know if you guys have been following that. It's like a huge like time period they're trying to focus on. That's when Yoda was in his prime. The Jedi were really in their prime, and there's several books coming out on that. And that's what they think that they're. Uh, Leading up to uh, on that, which is also interesting because uh, the Acolyte, that uh, takes place like in between that time period and the prequels. Mm. So some people are thinking, is that like a, um, a Palpatine Plagueis mm. prequel showing awesome. that, which is awesome because they did all they did say was it was about like the, the dark side and the mysticism of that. And you're like, hmm. Interesting. It fits. They also talked about... Uh, new indiana jones coming out which yeah. i'm not sure how i feel about but like james mangold is directing it so that's pretty cool i mean but he made a really cool older wolverine look he cool. sure did so. he also did ford vs ferrari and oh, yeah, uh walk the line i mean he's a great yeah great, great director james what was one you were uh or what, what what stood out to you um of course obi-wan kenobi uh i got really excited when they announced hayden christensen because I'm like, yes, he's back. He's playing Vader. But it makes me think that maybe they will do some flashbacks of the Clone Wars and really flesh out their relationship even more. And you get Hayden Christensen with a good director, man. This could really like change people's perspectives towards the prequels. And then you have... Uh, we have a live-action Ahsoka now. They could probably add her in. I don't know how much, like, because she's much older. She's, yeah. like, in her 40s. So Ahsoka would have been, like, in her, you know, 20s. Yeah. Um. Uh, Rangers of the Republic that could be interesting a lot of people are saying that that could be uh, Cara Dune's character and a couple others mm-hmm. um, of course Ahsoka super excited for that um, which I'm kind of thinking that's going to be the continuation of Rebels where Rebels left off because um, we got a hint of that in Mandalorian and of course the book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. so after we got that little sneak peek uh, how can I not be excited for that I mean I'm just looking forward to Willow you know <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Will, <clears throat> Will is cool for, you know, nostalgic factors. Uh, Indiana Jones, I mean, I hold it near and dear to my heart. I mean, I'm looking at a poster of it um, in my office. But uh, I know this sounds terrible. I love Harrison Ford, 
and he's getting really old. But don't you say it. But they should not have him try to like. <gasps> they should not have him try to like do all these action scenes and you know be embarrassing. It should almost be like kind of like Blade Runner, like some other young guys coming in, and he's just kind of like the mentor there that's kind of like giving him wisdom. I hope that's how they do it. Is that it? Bring back Shia. Shia LaBeouf. Yes. No. no. <laughs> what was his name again? Muff? Mutt. Or, yeah, Mutt. Mutt. Jeez. Muff. The most inappropriate Indiana <laughs> Jones movie in the world. Oh, Lord. Okay. All right, man. We are just dragging here. So Let's just get going. What's next? Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, what, all these Spider-Man castings. Yeah. Freaking everybody's in them. I know. I saw a great article. <laughs> or a great like, satire headline today. It said, Tom Holland set to cameo in Spider-Man Three, <laughs> yeah. or, or wait, waiting, waiting to hear if Tom Holland's in his own movie. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man Three is shaping up to be something could be disastrous or super interesting. But yeah. uh, either way, I'm anticipating seeing it. Um, it appears we haven't got official word yet, but all the major trades are reporting that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be repri- reprising their roles as Spider-Man. Both Spider-Man in this uh, Spider-Man 3 movie, some sort of Doctor Strange multiverse weirdness is going to be going on, I'm sure. But uh, I don't know if it's handled right. And if it's Tom Holland's movie, like let these characters be some sort of like assistant to him and not Mm -hmm. be sort of like take over the I don't know. I think it could be done really cool. Obviously, I have no idea what they're actually going to do with it, but yeah, I think it could be cool. And but they, we're getting all these other reports too about like returning characters. It seems like a lot is being packed in this movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I have some concerns because we did have um, Into the Spider Verse, the anime one with Miles Morales, and that worked fantastic. But I'm just afraid it'll be convoluted in the sense that we already got that, and they're like riffing off that, going, "Oh, let's just do that in live action." And poor like Tom Holland over here is like, "All right, I've had all these movies that were good." But they leaned heavily on the presence of um, Tony Stark. So now that, you know, he finally let that go in the last movie, I'm like, all right, good. This will finally be his, like, standalone movie where he can really rock it. And they're like, nah, let's throw every other Spider-Man that's ever come before that. It's like, don't you not have enough faith in your character, is my opinion. So there's two things. If... Sony is more in control of this. Mm. I'm nervous about it. Yeah. If Kevin Feige and Marvel are more in control of it, then I'm. I feel <laughs> better about you're it. You're okay with it, yeah. <laughs> but some of these decisions seem like a Sony thing. I think, <laughs> Let's be real. I mean, I think it sounds exactly like the other Tom Holland movie that we're going to talk about. It's just chaos walking, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, let's hear it. Or wait, wait, you you, you, pe- you passed it. Yeah, no, no, I, no the I'm nobody just, trailer. Oh, you, no, sent, you, you, you sent me a us a link to that the other day. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think uh, I think it could be really cool, um, or it could be a total mess. And you know, I think in general, um, I enjoy Tom Holland's rendition of Spider-Man the most. I would say, and I think he's the best balance of both. Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, but you know, I like a lot of the, a lot of different aspects of, uh, Garfield and McGuire's Spider-Man too. So I think, I think it would be really cool to see how they go about trying to do that. And, um, again, it could be a total mess. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, what's next? Next up is the trailer for Nobody. It's a bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord. Mm-hmm. I hadn't watched this trailer until just today, mm-hmm. um, but uh, uh, it looks really cool. Yeah, it does. <laughs> From the people who made John Wick, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I. Bob Odenkirk, like I obviously I, I like him in, in pretty much everything he's in. So, uh, but the I don't know. It's kind of a premise we've heard before. It's like he's got this secret past life, so he's got all these like suppressed skills from a former life, but now he gets to like it's just all it's all coming out at once. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Looks pretty cool. It seems like one of those tried and true storylines, you know, like yeah. this dude who's, like you're saying, like a troubled past, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He can handle himself, but he tries to keep that hidden deep down, and then all of a sudden, some demons come out of him. And uh, yeah, I was I, just about to say this feels like a February movie, and look what the release date is. Yep, yep, exactly. Well, that's yeah. exactly <laughs> it, too. and that's when John Wick came out, right? Yeah, so it's like. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I love sure. I love Bob Odenkirk, and I think this is a great role for him because he he's really good at playing like the comedic role, but he's also, especially with uh, Better Call Saul, he's really stepped into like that more gritty role, and I think this will be even more of a departure, and hopefully, he steers more into like the action part of it. I'm just interested to see what it'll become. I mean, it's it is a February movie. You're sure. exactly right. But. I, I know that the trope's been done, but I kind of like the original take on it. Yeah, and all the part where he's like, "Give me my effing daughter's bracelet back." Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my yeah, gosh. it's and that's the thing. I'm like, "Oh, that's just John Wick." Like, you took my dog. Like, that's exactly right. what it is. You know, that's it's, so good. It's not like a super high stakes thing. It's right. more of like it's a it's a petty thing. But you're like, all right, let's go. Um, the next up is Chaos Walking. Yeah, so this is a new uh, sci-fi movie based on a novel yeah. starring uh, Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland. Yeah. What's a- interesting about this movie is that uh, it was supposed to come out in 2017 or something like that, I believe. Yeah, it's been like shelved a couple times. Yeah, and it was supposed to come out earlier this year and then pandemic, um, so it's finally coming out next year, maybe. But uh, yeah, what did you guys think of this? It's really kind of interesting i don't know anything about the book but uh james what do you think yeah i'm really intrigued by this really strange different concept it's almost it does feel very booky like a a sci-fi fantasy book where there's like some kind of like magic or sci-fi system they have to live under it annihilation vibes a bit yeah it's it's a, a dystopian world where there's no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images words and sounds called noise Hmm. Wait, noise. Sounds sounds called noise. Yeah, oh, sounds, oh, my bad. My sounds bad. called noise. Jack, yeah. what do you think? Uh, I think. I mean, I think it looks really cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I it does worry me a little that it's been shelved so many times. But also, I mean, th- there's so many things that could be happening behind the scenes that has nothing to do with the quality of the movie or yeah. anything like that. Um, and I mean, it's hard to go wrong with Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. So. Sure. Um, it, it seems like a really cool concept and, and from the trailer I was like yeah that's really you know there's a lot to like about that it's pretty intriguing but um, again it could be it could be shelved for good reason and we'll <laughs> right. see so I don't know well hopefully it keep, keeps it to March 5th date yeah I'm a sucker for like kind of weird sci-fi stuff like yeah. this so. especially something that's like so original that you've not seen before I'm like yes more like this please yeah 
Cool. All right, what's next? Next up is Oscar Isaac will star as Solid Snake oh, in Metal Gear Solid oh, Film. Oh, my goodness. It's happening. <laughs> oh, geez. I don't want to get too excited because uh, <laughs> I've wanted a Metal Gear Solid film ever since... Oh, geez, what, like 1998, something like that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, anyway, here we are, and um, these games were so... They're based on video games. So like These games were so pioneering in the genre of, like, super long cinematics between, like, gameplay and that kind of stuff. So oh, my gosh. So some of them are over, like, 40-minute cut scenes, like, within the... It's, like, ridiculous, but awesome at the same time. Kind of tailor-made for a film like it's it's seems like it would be right for a film and they've tried over and over again to make this movie over the years and it seems like it's finally happening because that's i think it's super cool do you think that because it's never been made into a film that's almost a bad omen though that's something oh for sure (laughs) oh for sure yeah um this is you know video games are an active medium movies are a passive medium so like video games you're interacting with now, that's not to say you can't adapt a good video game, but like it doesn't happen very often where there seems to be a disconnect between what I think people want out of a mm-hmm. video game movie. Whereas if you just take the source material and craft it like you would a movie, like yeah. I think that makes the most sense. But I don't know. All I know is like I, um, I know the guy who's directing hasn't done a whole lot in his only movie that I, his only major movie is. Um, Kong Skull Island so I'm like (laughs) however I know that like he has been instrumental over the past five or six years of trying to get this movie made because it's like a passion project for him so um, I think that bodes well as far as the creative side of it but also maybe someone who's too close to the source material also may flub it up I don't know all I know is I'm excited it's happening but yeah I mean, John Travolta was pretty close to the passion project of, uh, of oh. the, uh, the what is it? Battlefield Earth. Yes, Battlefield Earth. Which is arguably the worst movie ever. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of concerned. Like, um, I don't know if you guys have heard the video game that's done by Nintendo called Monster Hunter. Yeah. Mm, I've so heard of it. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it where they Resident Eviled it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. That is exactly what it is. You're right. It is a Resident Evil. And they like did a concept in there that's like not even in the game. Yeah. They just make it like, look, modern audiences, it's cool. And I'm like, you just didn't have faith in the in the material and you just made it cool for like Americans or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and I hope they don't do that. But see, the fact that Oscar Isaac is in it, which makes me think, okay, the script must be pretty dang good if Oscar Isaac's in it because he's... He's in quality stuff. He's very picky with what he's in. So he's a good choice for Solid Snake too. Yeah. Uh, again, this is like I kind of have to separate the super fan of the Metal Gear series out of my mind because, like, instantly I'm like, well, like he's got he's like would make a great Snake, but he doesn't sound anything like Snake. But I'm like, I gotta let that go because it's a movie and mm-hmm. the game is different, and that's fine. Oh, he could still do that, but he could do a voice, voice yeah. yeah. For sure. So, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. And I will have to say, like, the whole long cinematics and, like, the sneaking around thing, the frustration on it. Like, kids nowadays have no clue. They can save video games anytime they want. There's there's nothing like the frustration of getting so close to up and then getting to this cinematic. And you're like, yes, big cinematic. And your mom's like, 
get up. You've already been on for an hour. And you're like, Mom, can't stop it now. Mom, Mom meatloaf. <laughs> meatloaf now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Cool. All right. Is well, that it for the news? Yep. That, let's get into Mank. It? Oh, wait. What is it? Mank. Oh, yeah. That's where the jazz music comes in. Mank. That's about a movie about a guy named Mankiewicz. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Good for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll catch the, you next week. About the writer who wrote arguably one of the best films of all time, Citizen Kane, back in 1941. Yeah, I think we talked about this, not Mank, but this idea back when we reviewed, um, what was the movie about the room? Um Oh, Disaster Artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love movies that are about like making other movies. Yeah. Oh, we talked about it too with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just kind of that like, especially older stuff like this, kind mm-hmm. of seeing a glimpse into the 1930s Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really cool. And seeing, hearing some of the name drops of actors and studios and studio heads and um, uh, just sort of like big names, names from back in the day. I don't know. I know James for sure is really big into like classic Hollywood, so oh, yeah. I'm kind of curious to hear your overall overall opinion of the movie. Yeah, and of course it's directed by David Fincher. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's interesting, I'll let you go, but like it's a yeah, it's a new movie. Obviously, it just came out this year, but I think they do a really, and you can say you can say better than I could, yeah. but like they do a really good job of making it feel like an actual old movie. Yeah titles and the way that transitions happen and the music obviously but like it just feels like a i'm watching an older movie so yeah like even when they're in the car you know they have the classic you know you got they got the screen in the back just rolling they got the flicker the the audio is kind of like muffled it's kind of like has a mono sound except for like when they play the jazz music but uh even like some of the camera styles the the shadows and the noir feel like they they do the same like feeling as that time period and uh, it just really immerses you in it because Citizen Kane has that look to it. Citizen Kane is actually known for its cinematography and its lighting, and it's kind of cool that they play on that. And I'm just, I'm a nerd for Orson Welles. His movies are f- fantastic. Um, so there's always like big controversy on like Citizen Kane. Like Orson Welles was like in his friggin' like 20s, like early 20s when he made this, and it was like hailed as like one of the greatest movies of all time. And it just like. When I think about what am I doing in my early 30s, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> like how many films has Orson Welles done by now? <laughs> and uh, he was a very ambitious, very ambitious guy. And like as we see with Mank, his writer, he comes in and he's like, all right, I know like your legs are broken and you're stuck in bed, but we need this screenplay done like now mm-hmm. to the point where like he's like giving him drugs <laughs> to like get it through. And uh, it's basically about that and about a troubled guy and. Troubled marriage and alcoholic and has some shady friends who's getting into filming commercials for politicians and elections and interesting stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of little side beats to the movie, um, but the overall thrust is kind of like what you were saying. Uh, I I really feel like the character, I don't know much about Orson Welles, but I really feel like the the guy who played him, who's like a... Total unknown for me. Like I don't recognize yeah, him from anything. Either. 
But that really helped that character because it felt like we were kind of watching yeah. Orson Welles, you know? And he nailed it. Like his tone of voice, he's very strong and commanding. and He's like, Herman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's he Orson Welles is the guy that doesn't give a crap. He's like the guy that created mass panic in the United States with War of the Worlds where people right. actually thought aliens were coming. I think some people actually died because of the situation. Yeah. That's, that's such a nuts story. It is. Oh, man. Yeah, I think... Um, coming into this movie, I, I was uh, I was interested to see sort of what what would come out of it. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know that it's my favorite movie, and I think a lot of that comes from I just am not a huge fan of Citizen Kane, as yeah. I've said before. Um, but I do like the aspect of what you were saying, Caleb, as well as like the making the behind the scenes, the the making of a movie. I think that's that's really kind of more fascinating to me than anything else. Um, and, and I love Gary Oldman. I mean, he just he knocks it out of the park every time. So um, I think he did a great job of playing this character. And so, you know, moving forward, talking about it, I, I, I did enjoy the movie. I just, you know, it's, it's not my favorite thing that's come out on yeah. Netflix, but um, I, the art behind it is pretty phenomenal. And I do think that that's worth talking about. So, yeah, I think it's speaking to that a little bit. Like Fincher has a very specific, like you can not all the time, but most of the time you can tell it's a Fincher movie. Like it has a very, this very specific feel uh mank felt like a totally different thing yeah and i think it's, it's kind of cool it didn't feel like a fincher movie because they were it they really played true to like trying to make this movie feel like it was actually made in the 1930s uh which i really respect and i think is really um ambitious and cool at the same time so uh, i would love to see some <laughs> eventually some behind the scenes oh, same here. of how they did this i'm curious if they filmed with film or if they filmed on red cameras and then like made it look like film. I don't know. All of that stuff was really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the story goes and all that, um, I thought it was good, uh, but just like older, like style black and white movies, I found myself having like a hard time um, following it a little bit, but I'm also an idiot. So, um, <laughs> but like black and white movies, like older movies from back and they do this thing like where they, they're in a scene and then like it ends and it fades out and like the next scene comes up with new music and like that's that's fine that's the way they used to do movies they always have like a lot going on and they right just go to the next thing and there's like a bunch of different pieces going on and it all comes mm-hmm. to a point and then like oh it all starts to yeah, click that's together that's pretty much the classic how all old movies are. okay it's, it's com- you're very confused at first and then you start to put the pieces together and at the end you're like Okay. Especially because this movie, they're time jumping. Yeah. They're going to like when he was younger and then, but those things you learn when he's younger and they play into sort of what happens when he, they go back to him writing in his older age. And then of course it all sort of comes to a head, but uh, yeah. Um, overall, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it I, I would say most of all, it got me curious about just the filmmaking process in the 1930s. And sort of wanting to see how they sort of replicated some of this. Well, I have a lot of books like on the history of screenwriting and just, I, I, oh, you almost lost your phone too. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and bad, bad night for electronics. <laughs> I know, bad night. And I, I, I've done a, a lot of research on just like how screenplays are done and like the, the politics behind it and stuff like that. And how the studio controls, we always talk about Warner Brothers and stuff like that. And it does seem like screenwriters are, you know, treated terrible compared to like everyone else like screenwriters like people tend to think like actors just say whatever comes to mind and the director's like all right next and it's the screenwriters who often get shut out of Mm -hmm. of any say 
and we we see that in this like Meg's got like his ginormous script and they're like no oh, it's too long and like that's the classic like if right, right now if you were to write a screenplay they'd say oh if you send in a screenplay and it's over 120 pages uh they're not gonna read it mm-hmm. and you're like really like that seems pretty like silly because some of the greatest screenplays of all time are <coughs> a lot longer than 120 pages yeah so they have like all these like weird like rules to like get in and like once you're in you can do whatever you want but still, like, it just shows, like, how controlling the studio is over just artists in general. Like, they have this passion project, and I love at the end where, you know, they're like, oh, it needs to be cut down. And then Orson Welles is like, it's like the greatest thing I've ever read mm-hmm. kind of situation. Do you know if, um, is this kind of like a close retelling to what happened? Or is this kind of like an imagination of what? may have gone into the process of the i i think a lot of it stylized over yeah. overly stylized like i don't know how much boozing and, drug, took li- and like, drugs he did right. but i mean it's always been kind of known that you know the troubled writers of the early age were alcoholics <laughs> because of the stress of the studio of like you have to write all these pages in this short amount of time and even it's a lot like that today where you're like all right you know write it real quick and then you you look and you're like oh this is why some movies are total garbage is because the studios just want to pump things out and you just can't like force a writer to pull something out of his butt in Mm -hmm. like three weeks and be like all right we're gonna film it that was that was actually one of my favorite scenes in this in this particular film was like when all of the writers like go into the the pitch room together Mm -hmm. and they're all like drinking and smoking and like all right, all right, what do you got for us? And they're just like clad women in there. Yeah, yeah, and they're just like spitballing like off the top of their head. And most of them have like, you know, at least something interesting to say. And they have like that new temp. And he's like, uh, and then this happens. And they're like, oh, come on, man. Like, it was just really kind of funny and interesting that they're like all so used to this. And like, realistically, those are probably their yeah. worst pitch ideas. Yeah. And they're just like saving the best ones for their own actual scripts and things yeah. like that. So, And it's kind of of the time. I like how they were saying, you know, there was an economic struggle then, the depression. Mm-hmm. There's an economic struggle now. And ironically, the whole premise is like, we need to get some movies out there that draws people back into the theater, which is a lot like what they're doing now. And they're like, we need to be new. We need to be inventive. And I'm like, that's, that's funny. That's what studios are now. But they're just trying to do that with online. And then I... I like where, like, the the big CEO hotshot, you know, he's, like, spitting off, like, what they need to do, and they're walking fast-paced, and then he goes in this auditorium where all their employees are, and he puts this, like, act on this sad Mm -hmm. face, like, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to cut some of your pay, we'll have to maybe lay off some people, Mm. you know, it's only for a few months, and I'm, I'm sorry, it really breaks my heart, I'm so sorry, and, like, people are generally frustrated, it's their livelihoods, and then he walks out, and then he, like, like, hey, back to his job. Yeah, back like, to Ooh. business as usual. Like, what a douchebag. <laughs> classic studio head. Oh, yeah, classic. <laughs> Yeesh. Um, Something I definitely want to touch on is the music. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I enjoy jazz music in general, but, like, mm. I love that super, like, old school, um, just, like, upbeat, mm-hmm. fun 
type of jazz music that makes you feel like you're kind of a part of the time. I think there, that's one of the reasons I enjoy the movie La La Land so much is like mm-hmm. there's so much of that fun, like old school jazz. Um, and man, I just really loved the soundtrack to this. Um, if nothing else, that was my biggest takeaway after seeing it. I was like, ah, I just need to listen to that music again. And I have a couple mm-hmm. times since, but, um, if, if you like the upbeat jazz, I suggest on Spotify, type in bop jazz. That's what they call bop jazz. Mm-hmm. So there's like, just type in jazz. It'll be like slow jazz, but you type right. in bop jazz. It's like the like really fast paced. And it's like, that's what I listen to in the morning. It gets me going. Yeah, there you go. Who did this? Uh, pull up the thing. Who's it? I think oh, it was yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah. yeah. They did. Um, yeah, that's right. We talked about this. They did all the music for a social network. Yes. And yep. um, mm-hmm. makes sense. The new Watchmen series on HBO. So like yeah. they kind of have a um, <laughs> an interesting collection of work that they do. But yeah, uh, this this really cool and very time period accurate which i think is really cool yeah also uh bird box and patriot's day two other sweet films <laughs> yeah i i also like the moment at the uh, towards the end where he's drunker than a skunk and he's coming in to like the ceos and they're all their you know their lavish party so they're like oh hurry up make this film you know and they're like critiquing them telling them how to do things and then here they are they're having like this you know people are having economic problems you know like somebody actually even commits suicide because of what's going on and then you know they're dressed up lavish in their parties and you know talking it up talking politics i like that where they're talking about politics about hitler because this is before like hitler rose and before world war ii they're talking about that and i thought that was completely fascinating he's coming in drunk and he comes in and he shares his opinion on everybody and then he just ends it by throwing up at the end and (laughs) and everybody's like leaving one at a time just totally just just disturbed by it all Mm -hmm. i thought oldman was great in this i mean obviously yeah Name me a bad Gary Oldman movie (laughs) or you know maybe a movie that he's bad in tiptoes yeah (laughs) You weren't, you weren't actually supposed to. <laughs> I say still it. really want to see that. Um, but man, someone who really transforms into a character. Obviously, yeah. Gary Oldman's a really good example of that. Um, yeah, I just that was a great. Yeah, Amanda uh, Seafried is uh, Marion Davis was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the the you know the typical blonde, the damsel, the the femme fatale as they call it, and that kind of thing. Or um, but yeah, she did good. I mean, it's just, it's kind of hard to go through at every single sure. cast member. There's a huge cast. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously Citizen Kane is about William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Hearst rather. Uh, but I think, um, I think actually seeing like getting a little bit of that interaction mm-hmm. in the, in this film was really kind of interesting because, um, like it's clear, like that's what he's writing about, and that's what the the movie that becomes Citizen Kane ends up being about. Um, but to see them like sort of interacting and like his true utter disdain for him, and like like what you were saying, like yeah. at that party, you really get a sense for like how much he's like he like loathes this mm. upper yeah. class who like does not give a crap about yeah. anyone, and and specifically him, um, and like how how much it just rolls off of her back. Like he does yeah. not care. He's like, let's get this guy out of here. He's had too much to drink. And you're like, Oh, okay, well that sounds about right. You and, know? And that's the funny thing is 
screenwriters really don't make that much money yeah <laughs> at all mm-hmm. it's and so it's funny that you know actors they're on the screen and they get paid all the buku bucks but then you got the screenwriter like i gave you the words i gave you the vision of what to put on that screen and then they're often like because I, I was shocked by that in my research i'm like oh my gosh like now if you're a sorkin or you know the big you know the big sure. name of course you know you're living at large but the average you know screenplay writer that might write a fantastic screenplay to a fantastic film that might even win an oscar is probably hmm. not making a lot of money that's fascinating um yeah you guys want anything else you want to add i will say out of all the of course i haven't seen was it the king that you said on netflix yeah oh you gotta watch it. i haven't seen that it's actually i added it i plan to watch it on one of the movies i'm gonna watch during my uh my my uh winter break but um I will say so far, I think this is the best Netflix original movie so far that I've mm-hmm. I've watched. Other than, like, well, Stranger Things is in a That's movie. a series, yeah. series yeah. yeah. But as far as like a movie goes, I think this is my favorite one. Of course, yeah, they got me with the nostalgia of the black and white and like the <laughs> sure. yeah. But I mean, just I'm I'm like you guys, like I'm fascinated by how things are made. I got books on how some of my old like favorite old movies were made, and like I'm totally into that. And uh, I've even kind of suggested it'd be nice to do a podcast of like the top 10 most troubled productions. Oh yeah. Cause you know, there, yeah, there, there, cool. there could be a good movie that you saw. I'm like, that movie was amazing. And then you're like, yeah, but this is what it took to get to that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people don't know star Wars was a troubled production. Mm-hmm. The prequels was a troubled production. The sequels were a troubled production. That's I'm glad you mentioned that. Some, there's actually a series on Netflix, which I mean, it's not about like the best movies of all time, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a series called the movies that made us. And it's, it talks about like some at least iconic movies mm-hmm. and like basically what all it took to get those movies into production. Yeah. Like um, it's a miracle that Home Alone was it's so, ever made. It's so interesting, <laughs> yeah. man. Like even they have one that it's like the Christmas movies that made us and they talk about Elf and uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, but yeah, some of the, the movies they talk about, it is fascinating hearing about all the behind the scenes, but I think that would be a really interesting. And I think I was topic. reading a thing on Jaws. I forget how young freaking mm-hmm. Spielberg was. He was young and it was having trouble with production. I'm like, man, if that happened nowadays with a young guy like that, the studio would have had him fired a long time for ago. For sure. For sure. So just stuff like that. And it seems like all these great directors were the ones that had troubled productions. And then they told this, the studios to piss off and making my movie. And then in, the studios are like, Oh, okay. And then they ended up, producing these masterpieces mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think there are very few people who can <laughs> can do that nowadays yeah yep. uh yeah studios got tight grips on everything no joke. Well, stuff's so expensive to make now so yeah. i understand it in some sense but in other sense like if you want good movies you have to take good like big risks you know at times well i think that the production of movies is going to drop to where you can do that because did you watch the new video that Kathleen Kennedy did on the new Starlight uh, projection thing about how it's expanding and how not just Mandalorian is all using the stagecraft? It. Yeah, stagecraft. Yeah. How they're going to use it? I think they call it Starlight now, but how they're using it for like pretty much all their Star Wars, and they're going to do it for Marvel and stuff like that. And how even like some studios are actually doing it for the movies, like the Batman's doing that, and how a lot of uh, movies have been able to take advantage of this during the pandemic. Change the industry, man. And it, apparently, all it takes is some projectors and an Unreal Engine software, mm-hmm. and somebody who just knows how to like do it, kind of situation. Yeah, the wall, like the whole. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times before, but uh, yeah, 
it's got to yeah, leap forward in technology. And it's pretty fascinating. It's got to cut production probably in half because you can do, as you're doing the pre-visualization, you could just do all the special effects and everything. And then all you have to do is just record it and then edit, add the sound and music and boom, you're done. You don't have to like keep adding like all kinds of effects after the fact. So yeah, take a look at that. Hey, young Spielberg, good draws. Who, who yeah. knew? Who knew? Actually, I saw that picture and that's what reminded me of that story. <laughs> I was like, so wait, I was reading a story similar to that. And you're like, I saw it somewhere. I don't so know where it was. Oh, look, there it is. <laughs> all right. Well, that's our review for Mank. And uh, yeah, I think there's some other upcoming Netflix movies we're going to try to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out soon. Um, we're going to try to review, review that uh, when we get a chance to all see it, hopefully in the theaters. But yeah. So not a whole lot coming up right now, um, and we'll probably be off for... Until January. Yes. There'll probably be some time, unless we find some time here and there, but uh, yeah. What is that music? Oh, it's you. I was like, <laughs> someone's phone was on. <laughs> All right. Anything else you guys want to add? No, we're good. That's Sweet. It. I'm going to kick you out so I can go to bed. Well, that's it for the show. <laughs> you can help us out by um, please subscribing to the Film Slate on your favorite podcast service. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Not anywhere. That's alive but whatever you know <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us just hit us up on social media uh, we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening and we'll catch you here sometime soon <laughs>